Welcome to the Long Delithi Podcast. We are your hosts, Jacob and Thomas from Beacon. We're going to be breaking down our fourth record song by song and going in depth on the recording process and context behind the tracks. In each episode, we'll be highlighting some of our favorite sounds and loops and making them available as a free download on BandLab. BandLab is a digital audio workstation and social platform. You can go ahead, download the app, and head over to our profile to access the official sound pack. So for episode four, we're going to be talking about samples from um, The Answer, one of the oldest tracks on the record in terms of when it came to be in demo form, probably the last thing written in our old studio in Brooklyn a few weeks before lockdown. I've been in the studio by myself for a few hours that day and had worked on this demo, which was more or less the uh, the drums and the bass line. And then this, uh, this I think kind some of, of the sparkly synth, and this, yeah, 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 and this this prophet sparkly synth. It was basically those three elements. I think I left it open on the desktop or something, and and, and took off, and essentially never went back to the studio, wow. except to move out. But yeah, I remember leaving it there and, and being kind of into it, and then hearing from you a few weeks later or something. The bass jumped out, I think it was something about maybe like rearranging the initial verse elements a little bit to then have a bass change that my vocal could go over and just put that scratch vocal over, which is still the melody, probably close to the same vocals too, the lyrics, I mean. And it's, you know, this super long lingering vocal that just goes over that moment. Pretty sure that's all I did at that point and sent it to you. And we were excited about it. It's not like it's a minimalist track. But these are minimal elements to start with with, and have something work, right? And that is like kind of precious when you have that, like, because a lot of times you're like throwing things more, more, like let's throw more in to then excavate more that's exciting. But like with these simple, great sound design elements and obviously with like a vocal that didn't need work, like that a vocal that was kind of ready to go from just the first idea, you know, that's that doesn't happen a lot in the studio. So you kind of have to like be like, all right, let's see, the, let's follow through on this, you know? Yeah, I don't think I thought much of it um, initially uh, leaving the studio that day. You know, I remember liking the, you know, the little idea, but I, I was in the Poconos thing with some friends during the pandemic and you had, you had texted me the scratch track of it with the vocals and how much more developed it immediately felt with a little bit of an arrangement. One of the key the key sounds is this synth, this prophet line, which is has like this kind of shuffly, like a circus rhythm or something. It's very like It's a cool rhythm. It's a unique use of the arpeggiator function within the prophet itself. It gives the song a pretty unique swing in that part. When you sent me this track, you actually referenced something. I'm trying to remember the name, who who it was. It was Trent Moeller. And it was because it had a little bit of like a cold wave vibe to me. Like the the beat is sort of rudimentary, like uh, EBM. You know, it's produced in Cubase, but it's a it feels like a drum machine. You know, it's it's really sparse. It's really a sparse drum line. It had sort of post-punky, minimalist, cold wave vibe right off the bat, which is not really us in some ways. Right. But right. also, 
Then you have the super sparkly, very beacon ARP, unique arpeggiated profit thing. And now we are beacon, you know, like then it's very much us. I'm sure that we, there was some, a little bit of us like, is this the right fit for the record? It kind of feels like an updated version of a song we wrote for, for the European tour pre-pandemic called Right of Way that we never actually ended up recording, but the elements and the structure of the song are actually really similar. Similar to Right of Way, quieter verse, loud chorus. You know, this like articulated, defined dynamic shift between the verse and chorus. And I could say now that we've played like some of the US tour, I'm the answer is a highlight for sure live because of the because of the simplicity of the intent, you know, like the simplicity is not the right word, but it's just because of like the, the directness. I think. Yeah, the directness of it. I mean, it's just it's a very four on the floor. Which we don't do a lot. Punchy. We don't do a lot of straight four on the floor. I mean, it, it comes around here and there, but it's yeah. not like a huge staple. That's no, I think it's definitely true. I mean, nothing as direct as this. We're we're just going to add some element that's going to flip it up in some way. Like, yeah. yeah, like Feeling's Gone gets there, but then for the most part, it's these huge thunderous like subs. subs throughout. Like... put it this way like I'm the answer never gets in the way of itself it goes back to what we're saying like from the beginning you have core elements that operate and work together and it's like three or four elements okay let's just I mean in that like you said it is hard for us to just go with that but in this track we did so it takes some restraint to not right. uh, you know muck up the the directness of a 4-4 beat in the Beacon Studio <laughs> yeah totally well with that there, there are still quite a, quite a few little uh, sound design treasures in this one that uh, we're excited to talk about. So maybe with that, we can jump into the samples that we pulled out. to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering so you can plan with confidence free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected and 24 7 customer support means you can travel worry free Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So the first sample we have for you is a kick, and it is from the Das Boot plugin. The cousin to the El Clapo plugin. I think actually you buy them all in one suite. Yeah, it's a suite, yeah. Anyways, it's so cool. I mean, because in the similar to El Clapo, you can determine how many boots, how many, how many boots, how many boots are, are stomping. So, what, how many do we have like on this 54. one? Fifty-four. Sounds so silly to say. Yeah, it's 50, 54 boots on the ground. 
Well, so whenever we do like the the true like orchestral version of this, we just need fifty four people yeah. stomping at the, the same time on the one, and that's a that's our kick. It's a couple layer kicks in here, like like we spoke about before. I mean, this one's interesting because it it literally sounds like somebody with large boots stomping on a wooden floor. So it definitely like adds docks, this, you know. Yeah, dock. Yeah, yeah. It, it adds a thud, like kind of stompy thud, you know. And it's mixed in, I think, lower mix of the kicks, but it's essentially the what I think functions as the beater in this uh, in this song. Yeah. Right. This next sample is a transitional element. It's the profit bass build. And um, yeah, it's like as if this track needed more bass, but we decided to use a like low frequency bass sound from the profit that is technically a pad. It's not a clean bass sound. It's it's a pad. The, it's a rumble, yeah, like a low rumble. Yeah, it's the Wagner preset there that's been tweaked quite a bit. Really all it is is sort of like a warmer, softer bass tone that comes in underneath. But a lot of what's sort of its builder components and structure is uh, the plugins that we added to it. So we were just looking at the signal chain. You have, there's a tremolo on there and you hear that. So the tremolo is what's changing. And I think the speed of the tremolo, right, is changing That's right. as a way to get that sort of like... So that's what that's on top of it. You know, that's just like all the basically processing that we did to kind of turn what is maybe just like the cutoff opening up on a warm bass patch into like a building transitional element from verse to chorus. What else is on that? So there's also the isotope trash. It's a distortion plugin that can do some pretty wild things. It certainly can just do straight straightforward saturations and distortions or sound design type effects. It's kind of destructive as a plugin. Yeah, it can be. It can you know, be. it's another one where like it's best used as a mix, like really subtly mixed in. I think for the most part, unless yeah. you're going for something very specific. When you add it to a sound, it's like 100 percent wet. It's like really be careful. Put a limiter on there first because yeah, it can save your ears. I think it's um, Skrillex is like one of his plugins right. of choice, which yeah, makes yeah. sense because you, you can pull anything to the front of the mix immediately with this plugin. It's like a really simple atmospheric bass tone but you know add trash to it add this like a harsh tremolo to it and now you have like an intense element that is upping the energy it has a send going out too with some uh to a fab filter volcano doing some filtering oh, yeah, and uh i think a little little plate verb the well. volcano is modulating right uh it's doing a little bit of both i think it's technically a filter filter plugin but it does a lot of modulation as well through its filter. So this next sample is the gated horn, and this comes from the Solina V, the Arturia emulation. It's funny, I mean, we have so many plugins, but we really use the same four or five, like, and... This one just fits. If we had the physical version of this from the 70s, like it would be all over our music because it's so somewhere in between 
uh, analog and digital recreation of these organic acoustic instruments like strings or horns. It's like the sweet spot for what we do. In this case, I remember this was one of the last additions to the track. It was added to bolster the vocal. I'm sure there is an octave in there. Like we had done probably all we could to make that vocal fit without adding like a ton of like harmonies that would have detracted from sort of the directness of the track. So we added in another instrument that's following the vocal. In this case, it's the Selena. It's like one of the um, the horn button and maybe one of the string buttons on it as well. What's interesting that we were just looking at is it's gated, right? Yeah, it's gated, yeah. That's right. It was an additive element to strengthen the vocal melody, so it's actually gated by that vocal. This is something we'll touch on in, in later episodes, but the whole gated signal chain process became a, a relatively big player in recording this record. There's quite a few songs in the record that use this technique, um, you know, kind of like sister to the side chain, but using gate and sending signal from other from other parts of the track, other uh, other pieces of the audio, and in this case, your vocal to this this sustained string, using that to be the thing that triggers the audio. Right. I I really think of this record. We started using the gate as a as a creative tool, and like you say, in later episodes, we're going to get deeper into that. Um, and in this case, it's really using the gate as a creative tool, and but then also as a utility. It's also like the attack and the release of the vocal is going to trigger a horn. How do we do that? You know, and so that's that's what we came up with in this case, routing, you know, using a gate and routing the vocal into that gate. So the next sample is the hat loop, 500 hat loop, which is the 500 refers to our 500 series outboard. For this record, we would basically route computer program drums out of our Fireface into the outboard gear and back in. And sometimes we did this as like a parallel, which means a little bit of the original is mixed, you know, 50-50. Some of the processed, the 500 series process channel is in, some of the original is in. I'm pretty sure that this is just full, this is full yeah. fully through the 500 series. The main times that we did this was for drum tops and drum loops. And I can say like bringing them out of the computer and into physical outboard gear to compressor, you know, Neve Pre's and these like really interesting EQs, these Mog EQs we've talked about, made them solid. It tightened up transients for sure. The pattern inside Cubase brought in other sonic elements that we didn't want. The pattern itself had a lot of texture, I think, built into it. It was kind of like this pitter-patter. There was like the hi-hats, but then there was also something tucked underneath it, shuffling along with the hats. And yeah, I think running it through this outboard gear, like you're saying, made them more digestible and can kind of sit with the rest of the rest of the drum, right. with the kick, with the snare. It glues everything together, too, in a way that, like, having a drum machine emulator sort of processing things down a stereo channel is one thing, but taking those and then really gluing them together through outboard gear, this song and Harm, that we really did that, and it's just like, it was night and day, you know, in terms of where those drum patterns and their transients you know, again, in both cases, it was the tops. Like, where those sat just added so much life. The genre that it comes out of is really, like, 
something very physical about it. Every like all the lows are so dense. The drum machine had to feel like it was taking off some like Soviet, <laughs> you know, like rudimentary 70s drum machine. And like it wasn't. So one of the ways we did that was by processing it through all this analog outboard gear. So this sample is the Buchla hat pattern is what we're calling it. Where this came from was for the second verse, trying to add another percussive element to basically indicate that we were going somewhere even more intense than the first chorus. Like we said, like we really dialed in the main hi-hat pattern. So whatever we added had to have character and be idiosyncratic. And like, there's nothing more unique than a bukla. Even the VST version of it, the, emu the emulation of it, is every bit as confused <laughs> and difficult to use uh, as the as the Google itself. Yeah, but it's such a deep and fruitful. You know, listen to floating points. A lot of his production is just full of Bukla, the real one. But right. Yeah. So the sequence itself is coming from the instrument. It's not like we added on top. No of step that. sequence. Yeah. Yeah. There's no step sequence. Or sorry. So it's slowly opening up. It's just like. Yeah, it's like percussive, like kind of tonal, but not really. Like you said, it's a very singular sound. It's like one of those sounds you can kind of only pull out of an instrument like that. Okay, thank you for listening. That was the full rundown of the sample pack for I'm the Answer, which is available right now on BandLab. Go download them, make interesting things. Godspeed. Godspeed.